1: Can you hear me? Text me back. I guess you're on the show now. (laughs)
0: Do you
1: want me to try calling back one more time? Okay. I heard the voice that said unmuted I don't hear anything else Anybody hear me? I hear you. You can hear me? (laughs) Oh, my God. I hear you.
2: That's awesome. All right. (laughs) Thank God. Okay. So, anyway, our phone number heres seven seven zero six nine nine. is 347-677-0699. However, however, we don't open the phone lines until about 630. Until about six thirty, so um, um, and also remember if you are calling in, make sure that you press one like on your telephone keypad to let us know that you actually want to get into the caller queue. Otherwise I'm just gonna think that you're listening to the show because that's how some people listen to the show. So there we go. Alrighty then well let's get let's get right on to the show. Wow. Hi cat <laughs> Hi, Rusty.
1: You sound like you're underwater. Uh, I, by the way.
2: Oh, of course. And uh, but it's better than not me at all. So. And, and, <laughs>
1: yes, much better.
2: Much better. But the neat thing is, is you'll be able to hear our guests very clearly. Um, that'll work. And uh, but you know, the other recourse is that I, I start another live feed on Facebook from my tablet and actually call in from my phone, and everyone can hear me. But you know whatever. I'm having computer issues and I hate it. Tony Collins says one, ringy dingy, two, yikes! Okay, so everyone's really happy that you can hear me and that you're on the line, Cat, and and everyone loves your text tone. <laughs>
1: I'm so glad they love my text tone. Everybody you everybody
2: know. loves it. Everybody loves this text
1: tone.
2: Aww. All right. Yeah, so that's why I had you keep calling. (laughs) All right, 347-677-0699. Now, I um, had a quick health news bit, but I restarted my computer and I lost it. So we're going to go right into a question that we got through the ticker here, and the question is actually for you, Kat. In regards to okay. self-defense self the question is okay. how, how would one Deal with a blindside attack So those out of nowhere Freaking attacks How would, how would one what, what, what's, what's some advice That you would have
1: You know Blindsided attacks shouldn't happen If you're constantly aware I'm not saying being paranoid, but be aware. Be aware of right. your surroundings. Be aware of, be aware of the people around you. Be aware of what's happening. Be aware. Um, so that, that would be my first answer. If you were more aware, you wouldn't have to deal with a blindside attack. Let's just say, though, what if, because there are 50 trillion what ifs. Um, it depends largely on how you're attacked we can go down the line but ultimately if you can stay conscious and stay on your feet then you stand a good chance of of being able to defend yourself but you know if I'm not given a a specific blindside attack then how am I going to answer that because there are 52 trillion what ifs what if you get blindsided this way or that way it goes on and on and on the list goes on forever exactly so how do you answer that be aware (laughs) Be aware I'm sorry I don't mean to I don't mean to put it off Like that However How do you expect me To answer a question Like that Well yeah
2: It's like asking It's asking Such an open It's it's an open ended question Because like you said There's a trillion What if There's like What if someone Like to pick you up To put you in a bed What if somebody tries to
3: you know, plenty of the of people
2: that. What if there's just you know, whatever. What if they walk past you and then turn around and you know, try to grab you from behind? I mean, there's just so much stuff. Um, and even then, you know, I don't think any of us—not you, not me, not Jamie, not anybody—can give. You know, uh, this is what you do. This is the technique that you do because. it's <laughs> Yeah, there is no cookie-cutter technique. You know, if 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 that was the case, yeah, and if that were the case, all of us as martial arts instructors would be out of a job because anyone can just, like, put up something on freaking YouTube and and be done with it, right? Okay.
1: Well, Um, well, look, Rusty, here's something else I I can add to that answer. You know, being able to adapt – within yes. fractions of a second to any given situation yes. is what's going to help you survive. I mean, there are many attributes for a fighter. You don't have to be a right. fighter in order to do self-defense, but those attributes are staying calm under pressure, being able to think on right. your feet, you know, having having a killer instinct. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, you have to walk around <laughs> killing people who attack you, but I'm just saying. Right, right. Right. If you have a complete pacifist <laughs> approach to everything, you're gonna you're gonna get beat up, or or right. stabbed, or raped, or murdered, or killed, whatever.
2: Mhm. Yeah. John Lupo said, so, I myself would probably go for a gnaw. <laughs> That's how he would respond.
1: You know. Yeah, but who's attacking you, and and how are they attacking you, and with what are they attacking you with? No, I mean, uh, now I'm from the Department of the Redundancy Department. (laughs) There you are.
2: There you are. Well, you know, Jamie just wrote in and she said, yes, thank you. I just actually said this to my students this past Friday because it was actually a question that was posed to her. So, you know, I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, that you just wanted to see what we would say about that. So now you can tell your students, that the statement advice you gave also came straight out of the mouth of Kathy Long, a five-time world kickboxing champion. Booyah! Don't you your students that. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, not just a five-time world kickboxing champion, but a Kung Fu San Su master. So yeah. that's, where, that's where the fighting for me really begins, not kickboxing. That was a fun sport.
0: Right, right. But if right.
1: you want to talk about actually fighting and self-defense, there's a place for things.
2: yeah. So Janie is going to say that um, say that you know your advice your advice was the same that uh, she had put in and, <clears throat> and coming from nice. Janie coming from a Kenpo point of view very similar to what Kat from what Kat says because, you know I don't know anything about Kung Fu Sun Tzu, but I'm just guessing that they're very similar in that um, we have five principles of fighting I was brought up with five principles of fighting. Um, Number one, you have to, you kind of have to, well, that's my business, surprise, speed, impact, simplicity, and follow-up. So simplicity, you got to keep it simple. You can't do all these butterfly kicks, butterfly flips, you know, jumping, spinning, axe kicks, or even the Chuck Norris spinning hook kick. you got to keep it simple. You can try. <laughs> well, yeah, you can try if you want to, like, laugh out of your freaking head. You know,
1: right,
2: exactly. Yeah, thumb in the eye, crush the trachea, knee in the nuts, break a, you know, break a knee, you know, break whatever, pull their hair, pull their ears, you know, whatever. Simple things that people can do under duress at any time. Well, trained people can do under duress. And this is going to actually go into the next thing I want to talk about. And, uh, but I actually want to talk about it with our, um, with our, um, guess a little bit later, and that's um, a little bit about self-defense and the pros and cons of self-defense workshops. Um, so anyway, simplicity. Keep it simple. Speed. You gotta move quick. You can't move like a freaking. Can't move like a, freaking, uh, like a slug. Impact. You gotta hit hard. at the next one's with speed, math times acceleration squared. Power. Um, impact. Hit it away. Simplicity. Speed. Impact. Um, surprise your opponent uh, or distract. Uh, uh, my ex who said, ah! um, "You have to distract," and I'm like, "Oh, what am I gonna do? You know, do a song and dance." And he's like, no, a good thumb in the eye will do it. A good thumb in the eye will do it. You know, drop your umbrella, whatever. Or something that takes their attention away from you. If that means kicking them in the groin or whatever, you know, do it. And then you gotta make sure that you." actually do enough damage and that you're sure that you've done enough damage until they can no longer attack you. And then you have to know what? And then you have to know how to get the hell out of the dodge after that. Um, texting, I don't know what's going on. I wonder if she lost me. Yeah, can you still hear me? No, well,
1: I'm here. Yes, oh, okay. but it's horrible. You, it's so broken up and sketchy and scratchy, and you sound like you're underwater, and it sucks. Just saying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll talk slower. Maybe it'll
2: actually. I don't know. It's like my mic said it's working, so I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what to tell you. Let me try something different. Let me try something different. <laughs> 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 It. It's not like I fucking planned it. LOL. 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 Frank <laughs> Hi, Duke. Hi, Frank. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. You know, I'd, I'd be interested in hearing uh, Frank Duke's take on self-defense and um, and the question specifically is how to deal with blindside attacks and Kat and I both agree that there's so many variables uh, in the attacks like are they going to like or are they just going to come out from nowhere just put you from the front or are they going to pick you up are they going to punch you out you know are they going to use a weapon are they going to there's so many variables so you know we just have to as Kat said be aware training for a as you can think of and train realistically. Point fighting mentality. That's not gonna work. that's not gonna work. You've got to train realistically. If thing in money in good in actual good self defense gear. Like I have the Red Man and we can put that on our guys and it that lets me go take people out and stuff like that. And I haven't told that that I can kick it through. The Red Man and make it feel
1: So, So, on one one hand, I agree with you, Rusty, on the red man's suit. However, on the other hand, it diminishes your your ability to target correctly, meaning to the windpipe, to the eyes, to the testicles. Elbowing and bludgeoning tools are great for that. However... If you, if you want to hit a vital target, which I, I believe wholeheartedly that it's an incredibly important aspect of defending yourself is striking the vital targets, having the, the, the willingness to do so. You're willing to cross the line. You're willing to cause that person harm and not hurt them, but damage them, injure them.
2: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it is all about intention. But there's a thing, is that you have, that's why I'm a full supporter of you have to train with somebody like in real life, you know, without the gear, right? But you have to have the intention. I mean I I, I mean a lot of people that I can quote unquote fight really well. See my air air quotes air quotes fight really well. But on the other hand they go, Oh my god, I have a problem with sticking my thumb into somebody's eye, that's gross. It's like well, what the hell? If you can't put yourself if you can't commit to that, then what's the point? Right? Now, I'm not saying that the red man is an end all be all, but if you know where your targets are, you, know, you bet I can take a tiger mouth with that throat protector and go full board on it. Only if.
1: But you know what, Rusty? Only, 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 only if I you know.
2: Yeah.
1: A red man suit doesn't teach you how people react away from pain. That's just a, a truism. With reactions, that, that's people, people, that's sh- I mean. their bodies move away from pain. That's that's just a given.
2: Yeah, it it is it Red Mansour doesn't teach you that. No, I'm not wearing it. You know that, right? <laughs> so, you know, um, but the, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is that my guys are the great dummies. Let's just put it that way. And I, I, I hit my guys. That's how you get a black belt in high school. You get hit. And you get it in the nuts. You get it in the throat. You know, you can get your ears clapped. You know, you might even break the nose or two or fingers or, two or whatever. Um, because that's kind of a the combo. There was no red man suit back in the 1940s. There was no uh, sparring gear. What the hell was the sparring gear? I didn't even have sparring gear when I was doing karate. I mean, you got hit, you got hit, and you'll learn how to block, Right?
0: Um,
2: but, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that people need to know targets, and I, I, I know that, that the human body reacts away from pain, it's, 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 it's autonomic, um, but on the other hand, I'm, you know, not, how do I put this, I'm not going to beat the shit out of my students just to prove a point, right? Just you don't to have all to. Worse, right? Um, but, but, getting back to the red man, right? This is why I'm just telling my own students, you got to train with somebody fair, right? What I call naked. you got to train with them naked. Um, but, if you want to actually practice Powers that you would need. Well, then put on the red man. You know, it's
1: kind of like just put it on.
2: You know, uh, that's all I'm saying. But you can
1: practice but, power on a bob or a heavy bag. Well, yeah, exactly. Which,
2: you know, I'm not. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not bringing the heavy bag like into the into the equation here. That's the thing. Um, on the other hand, a heavy bag doesn't give anybody targets. So. I'm a full proponent, like you, in training every aspect of self-defense. and in my in my world, though, it's all it's all about the intention. My God, if you can't have the intention by you know hitting hard on the on the heavy bag or whatever, then you know not everyone can be Oishiipa and do Aikido and look calm and, <laughs> and and kick people's asses and stuff like that. And I I'm just saying that I know people that. Don't have the commitment to be able to um, stick. You're right on. You're
1: eyes. right on 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 that on that part. You're right, Rusty. However, um, in the self-defense courses that I've taught, I do run across women who go, "I don't want to hit there. I don't want to stick my finger exactly. somebody's like that. I don't want to do that." And then, but if they practice it slowly and calmly they eventually get the hang of it they get used to it they get the, they get understand the idea that yes this this can be done and as long as everybody's That's cooperating with each other but no, a red ahead. man suit doesn't do that well,
2: okay so a red man suit doesn't allow someone to doesn't allow the other person practicing the defense to Okay, I see what you're saying, because, you know, if someone's got a glass mask on, you can't really get your thumb in there, right? I mean, I, I, I see what you're talking right. about that, okay? Yeah, but, exactly. Ac- but
1: when you're small, accuracy is so important.
2: Oh, I agree. <laughs> All five foot of me. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um no, I mean, and I'm not arguing with you on this. What I'm saying is, is that it works for my school. My guys don't miss because they practice on a bare person, but they know that they can't go full force with their partner. We've already had too many, too many hospital visits because of the lack of control, and, or they, they panic and they forget, right? I've had people go to the hospital with, like, crushed trachea and blown out of eardrums and broken
1: noses and
2: concussions and, hey, it's all kajakembo, right? It's all kajakembo. It I is,
1: but imagine, imagine if your partner reacted accordingly. Realistically. Imagine if your partner reacted realistically. That would help you see how the body's going to react away from pain.
2: Well, well but that's the thing. is they did react the way they would because they weren't expecting the full power shot to the trachea. So, of course, they go, you know, and, you know, move away from it and hold in on it and stuff like that. I guess I'm wondering whether or not there's a misunderstanding here. I'm agreeing with you perfectly. I'm just, I, don't I, I don't know.
1: I mean, there's also the training in early and accurate weapon detection, seeing the, seeing what's coming at you.
2: Right, right. Exactly.
1: Um,
2: Steve Bowman goes, what about stage drills? Um, okay, well, I have, to, I have to answer this for Steve, because he, Steve Bowman is cutting the camera bones. We have a drill called stages, and stages um, is a drill that takes a snapshot of one moment in time in a self-defense situation, okay. just one moment in time, and it trains your brain to just kind of look uh, look for a reference point. Go, okay, well, if if I see this picture, what weapons do I have available to use against which target? So it teaches mapping and how to adapt in a split second and stuff like that. But it's it's a stages drill. It's just a means to a way, a way to a means, not the end-all, be-all. It's just the drill, right? We know that we don't fight with the drill. Um, and before we uh, before we wrap up this particular uh, conversation, I want to remind everyone of our phone number: three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. We are running a little bit behind because of the technical difficulties. So hang on, Master Eric Smith. We're going to be having Master Eric Smith on the line. We have another uh, ten minutes. Um, so yeah, now. Janie says you both are saying the same thing there must be uh, a misunderstanding about what the red man is in both of you so that, that. I think that's what's going on because we are saying the same thing Janie you know um, but I forgot where I was at oh for Steve, Steve in regards to stage drills Steve, those were really those work really great but again you know Still have to train the intensity and the intention to hurt, right?
0: Well,
2: Um, even though you're going, you have to be
1: willing. Yes, the intention is there,
2: and you do have have to be be willing.
1: I agree with that,
2: exactly. Um, But with your, you also have to drill with them to, Under duress, know the difference between practice in the in the in the dojo and real life. You know, it's just like point scoring, right? If you if all you do is point sparring, you are going to defend yourself that way. And, and believe me, Steve, that's why I got into kajukenbo because I would play scenarios in my head and I'd go, "What, what would be the first thing I would do? Oh, I would come in with a back fist." screw that, that's not going to work so that's why I sought out an art that I thought was going to really help me with effective Aww. realistic self-defense as opposed to self-defense and it's, you know, a stage self-defense which is like, I'm going to lunge punch you, hi and you do your prescribed thing, right um, and Kajak Kemba was all about anything goes and I loved it you want to throw sand, you want to, like, you know, you know shove your book down someone's throat, whatever, you know? That, that was all for me. I loved it. And I must say, you know, what I've learned, you know, from Professor Faircloth, you know, was what I was looking for. Uh, but in regards to stages, it gives you a snapshot of time, Steve, okay? Um, and you have to keep practicing that drill from the straight-up position to the crouching position in one knee down position all the way on the ground and all the way on the ground in different places like on your back on the sides, you know, on your stomach, you know, or they're curled up in a fetal position or whatever. You gotta you gotta uh, you gotta practice all of that. It is effective effective training because you are seeing snapshots in time. However, at the same token if your dummy isn't working, if the person that you're training with doesn't know, just like Kat said, doesn't know how to react to pain, then, you know, the drill's not going to work for you. I don't know how many times I've had to actually ding people in the nuts because I would say, okay, and this is a uh, you know, shot at the groin, and they wouldn't dummy me for me. And I would have to smack them again and go, sorry, sorry, Paul, but you weren't reacting and how am I supposed to teach people about that if you're not reacting, you know? I've had to tap people in the eyeball just to let people know, hey, it works, you know? So, is anything goes to, well, you know what, Tony, I think Cambo and American Tempo, you know, uh, are, are pretty much related in a way. So,
3: um,
2: Janie says, I don't have a man... I have to be the red man. <laughs> John Lufo is pointing a spray bottle at the cat. By the way,
1: become one with the red man. Yes. Become one with the red man.
2: Janie um, says, "Yeah, you guys are indeed saying both the same thing." Okay. So. So anyway, I hope that kind of helps, Janie. <laughs> Yes, Tony, I'm aware that Ken and Kaju is Kenpo. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of that. Um, in fact, my own students, Tony, have to know the history and how, uh, and how American Kenpo branches off of it, but that it is not American Kenpo. Um, a lot of my new students get confused with that, and then they start watching American Kenpo, and they go, that's not any of our forms. I'm like, because it's not Kaju Kenpo! <laughs> so, I have to make sure that they get it. So, anyway, uh, teach people history, folks. Teach people history about your martial, martial art. Do not forget about that. Because the last thing you want is for everyone to think that everybody else learned your art. Because you don't teach history and that there are other martial arts out there. So, I don't know how many kids that come, that come into my classes and think it is, it, this, isn't the, this isn't the kata I know because you're not doing karate. That's why. Anyway, can you tell me that's kind of a source oh, yeah. of mine? Teach your people history. You. Anyway, <laughs> okay, let's do this. Um, let's go ahead and take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to bring Master Eric Smith on to the show, so don't go away so we'll be right back after
3: this. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always... Lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the AMCAS.
0: Dear parents, much <laughs> of what we learn in this world comes directly
4: from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to
0: accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of
4: tolerance. Teach us to understand one another.
2: Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a
4: world where every
0: man, woman, and child is treated equally.
4: Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate.
0: We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, you will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children, and we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another.
3: Inside this little Burbank building. This is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of
0: each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles,
3: Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial arts. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and He doesn't know who Bruce Lee is.
0: From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank.
3: Hi, this is Frank Duke. Hello, teacher Douglas
4: Wong. Hi, this is Kubu Lua Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show.
3: The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas
0: to Dynamic Dojo Radio Post at
3: gmail.com, or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk
0: radio.
2: Just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo for Talk Radio with Rosita and Kat. And it is about 6.46 and we're running a little bit late. Uh, We've already got some people on the line with us and we, um, I think we have Master Eric on the line, so let's go ahead and bring his line up. Master Eric, is this your line, area code 915?
3: Yes, it is.
2: Hello. How are you? Thanks for joining us on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Right on. I know it's kind of hard to hear me, um, but please bear with me. I I probably sound like I'm underwater.
3: Yeah, it's a little choppy on the phone, but uh, it's funny. uh, When I watch you on the computer, I can hear you fine. It's about a two-second delay.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's... uh, it's not bad. Well, the, I think the reason why is that, you know, the 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 camera itself is picking up my voice. Okay. Um, but know yeah. it's just a matter of... It's- yes. Okay. But
0: do I still sound like I'm underwater? Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: Damn it. <laughs> damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Well, let's... There's one more thing I can try. Let's see here. Nope, that's not going to work. I'm just going to have to bring my computer closer to me. So hopefully that will work. Okay. So, you know, Master Eric, again, thank you so much. here on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. If you could, can you let our viewers and listeners know – Um, A little bit about your background. How how did you get started in your martial arts career?
3: Well, you know, uh, my father was my first instructor. Um, He was in the Korean War, and uh, he got day while he was in Korea, and he had a layover there, and he was uh, injured. And uh, while he was there, he was learning uh, the art of taekwondo. Um, I guess at that time it wasn't called that. 'Cause he, he never called it that. He called it uh karate, Korean karate. And when he came uh-huh. back from uh, Vietnam he lost his leg in Vietnam and uh wow. when he came back you know he has um, we have he had four sons and uh we he we kinda lived he kinda lived through us. He, we were a fighting family, you know, and mm-hmm. he, he had us uh in the backyard kicking and punching, things that, you know, most kids weren't doing at that time, that kind of fighting. And, uh, you know, he was a a Green Beret and, you know, a a highly honored guy, and he was very athletic like Tarzan. And, you know, with his leg loss, he pushed us, you know, to do, you know, amazing things and and, and be uh, grateful that we had legs. (laughs) And he took us (laughs) to many tournaments. Uh, you know as we were growing up uh, the tournaments where I lived in the state of Delaware were few and far between so we would travel to Virginia we would travel to Maryland Pennsylvania New York New Jersey and of course um, back then there was no social media so it was word of mouth you know you would grab a flyer that was on the Dojang's window Uh, you would talk to the masters and find out when they were going to have their tournaments and you know it was it was a lot harder to network back then, but we managed to go to quite a few tournaments. And um, unfortunately, my parents got divorced in, uh, around age 12, and um, she remarried a, a fellow that was in the Army, active, and we all were transferred to uh, Germany. And while I was there, that's the first time I really had a, a structured dojo. Um, I started taking Kempo Karate, um, at, at age twelve from what they called the dependent youth activity organization and um you know they, they they had stuff for the student i mean kids to do on base and uh I remember that guy leaving um, we were over there five years uh, he left about two years in Kempo instructor did and uh, we they brought in a judo instructor and we found later you know that these guys were military uh you know, uh, um, soldiers that were teaching, and, and as they got transferred to and fro, that's why we were losing our our instructors at that time. But we oh, had wow. a you know, different diversity of masters that came through. You know, like I said, we got to, you know, do j- judo. Um, other soldiers would come in, and they would bring in all their talent from different parts of the world. And that really appealed to me. And I said, you know, I really want to go out and join the military. So we were transferred back to uh, to the States at the end of those five years. And uh, I, I went to Alabama, and while I was there, I picked up Taekwondo. And I fell in love with it as a kid, it was, you know, highly competitive, um, you know, sport Taekwondo. And uh, I joined the military at a very young age. I decided mm-hmm. that's you know, a 17, that's, that's going to be for me. And I did a split option program, junior high. Uh, after junior high, I went to uh, to basic training, and then I finished, came back, and <laughs> straight after senior high, I was in AIT, and uh, I had really good scores in a lot of things, uh, but they decided to put me as a combat engineer. I uh, didn't like the job. I asked, you know, how do I get to the place where they had guns, <laughs> and I wanted to be an airborne ranger, so, of course, they, they, <laughs> they granted that for me. They were like, okay, you're stupid. You know, so I went that grunt route, and I became an Army Ranger. And while I was there in Benning, um, of course, I didn't get to train much uh, outside of, of of Benning during that time. Uh, but I got stationed at Fort Benning, and I that's when I first met, um, while I was there, Gojo Ru instructor. And I said, oh, this Gojo Ru karate is for me. This is what I want. You know, this is unstoppable martial art." This is everything traditional I was looking for. And I fell in love with it. and and I stayed there studying with uh, Sensei uh, David Leonard for many years. And uh, I attained all the way to the rank of third dem, uh, Gojo. And, you know, the forms, the traditional weapons, it was very traditional. I loved it. But I got stationed uh, over there near you in Fort Lewis, Washington. Uh, Yeah, I was stationed there for a while. Uh, there again, I didn't get a chance to, to really do a lot of personal stuff. I was part of the military's, uh, you know, I was very young and, and they had me in the field a lot and we were doing a lot of jumps and training. So I couldn't join a Dojang while I was there. Um, but I really loved the area. It was beautiful. Um, I got stationed after that, uh, went to Fort Gordon, Georgia, back in Georgia again. Then I went to Honduras. And while I was at Honduras, again, I didn't get a train a whole lot. There was um, a few Honduran dojos, but they were uh, more boxing, more boxing gyms <laughs> and kickboxing. So I got stationed in Honduras for a while and then uh, got transferred to Fort Bliss, Texas. And when I came mm-hmm. here, I studied underneath uh, Grandmaster Young Lee, who uh, was 14-year welterweight champ of the world and you know he he had a huge dojang down here and and I said oh this guy is the real deal so I joined underneath Master Grandmaster Lee and Taekwondo and he was teaching Mudo Ho and I'm not sure if you have ever heard of that but no, it's very no, similar no, to Wan no. or Hapkido in the joint locks yeah. and stuff and I said wow now I really have found my love you know <laughs> I kept <laughs> I said okay <laughs> now now this is the one for me. Because, you know, in the, in, the, in the years I was in the military and before, I, I, I was skinny white boy, and I seemed to always be the <laughs> brunt of the jokes and people would jump on me, but they didn't realize, you know, Army Ranger spirit, you know, I'd fight anybody. And some of right. the martial arts I took in that was great and traditional um, really got me hurt in the long run. But once I started doing um, hot keto and, and taekwondo and stuff, I decided, you know, these strikes and these joint locks really work. So I, I got out of the Army, and I went to school in Alexandria, Virginia. I joined uh, David and Alex Lipinski's, uh Taekwondo and Hapkido, and they're part of the uh, Korean Hapkido Association. So there was my first introduction to Hapkido hardcore um, in, in that sense, but I had already learned a lot of sets and techniques, and and weapons, and forms, but here's a new whole set of, you know, techniques, and forms, and weapons, so there I was again, I immersed myself, you know, they adopt me like a son, because I was one of those gym rats, you know, Dojang rat, you know, what else can (laughs) I do, can I help clean, you know, the guy that never leaves, but you want to go home because you're tired, but you're too polite to have him leave, that's me, that was me, and You know, now that I'm my own Dojang uh, owner, yeah, I I see those guys now. But I come to appreciate them because I was very committed. And uh, um, I got got out of the military, like I said, became an electrical engineer, worked for this company Uh called Siemens Energy and Automation, big German company. And they said, Uh hey, we got a new plant opening up, but it's in the middle of this godforsaken place called El Paso, Texas. And I was like, wow, I was stationed out there. I was like, heck, yeah. <laughs> so that's when I, that's when I decided uh, I would come back here. And, of course, I looked up Master Lee right away. No, he, he was retired. And so I went and saw uh-huh. Master Han, and his kids were, were much older. And Jennifer and Abraham Han from El Paso, Texas, um, they're both IBF uh, champions in their own right, world champs, boxers. Nice. And, you know, I got to put a plug in for El Paso. There's quite a few great, great fighting gyms. You know, we went to nationals this year uh, in Florida for AAU Taekwondo. And some states only had uh, three or four uh, Taekwondo uh, teams from their states, and we had seven from our city alone. (laughs) That was pretty impressive. Um, But Uh, when I got back here, you know, I I, I uh, did my engineering thing, and and I started thinking about uh, opening my own dojang on the side. But, you know, working 80-hour work weeks, that didn't happen for a while. And uh, in 2004, uh, unfortunately, I had a tragedy. My oldest daughter was hit and struck by a car and was no. killed, and I decided that's enough being an engineer and working hard. I, I decided let me uh, – Let me uh, take off for a while, grieve, and and get my head on my shoulders. And it was a dark period for me, but uh, you know, I grabbed onto that martial arts, and uh, I filled my, you know, my first uh, little area that I, you know, I I went and uh, did did, uh, some martial arts for this uh, gymnastics place. They wanted to open a, they had two branches, and they wanted to open martial arts. So I said, well, I'm Master Smith. I'd been a master for 20 years up to that point. So I said, okay, I'll let me, and we got it up to over 100 students. And uh, unfortunately, that couple uh, that owned it got divorced, and and they were splitting up. So that made us go ahead and decide, hey, let's uh, open our own. And I tell you, it was very therapeutic for me because I, I, I lost one daughter, but it was like I gained 100. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, and uh, we had more and more uh, growth. And we decided to uh um, open a larger location on, on the west side of El Paso, and the rest is then history you know um, I contacted uh Grandmaster Greg Jump, who was my friend thirty years ago and he was with the chunky uh, doe Association with uh, Grandmaster uh, toy um, and he came uh, he was one of the founders of uh, Cooksawan him and another guy. Nice. And when he when they left, he left Korea and let the other guy go ahead and run the Cuxuan, and mm-hmm. Grandmaster Toy moved to El Paso with the Kee uh, Association, which is now uh, headquartered out of Santa Fe under Daniel, Grandmaster Daniel Walker. Um, but Grandmaster Jump was the number one student, number one son of Grandmaster Toy for many years, but he broke off and opened his own school, and then a bunch of masters from uh, Chung, Ki and elsewhere from other Hapkido associations um, all adopted him. And we, uh, you know, asked him if he would be our grandmaster for another association, which is called the YU One Hapkido Association, where Grandmaster Gregory Trump is the president. He's the highest ranking and the most knowledgeable Hapkido um, grandmaster that I've ever met in my life. Um, And, you know, we've got some guys, you know, here in town that are in their 70s and 80s, and they remember uh, Jin Han Jae when, you know, he was a young man. (laughs) (laughs) And they talk quite a bit about different uh, masters and grandmasters of that period. And I'm really, really blessed to be asked to be in the YU1. I mean, I had to (laughs) get there. I was again. Having to learn a new whole set, new weapons, new forms, all from white belt all the way up again. But you know what? Um, I, I took it and embraced it. Uh, I told my wife, I said, this is like, you know, learning a new whole martial art over again when, I, you know, you switch association. Uh, but yeah. it's all been there, you know, for me, all, all the locks, all the submissions, the throws throughout the years. I mean, a bicycle is a bicycle. Some are two-seater, some are unicycle. But it's still, a, you know, you still got the wheels, the spokes, the seat. So most of the martial arts <laughs> that I've studied are Korean, and they all have a lot of similarities to it. You know, I heard you talking earlier about self defense. You know, and mm-hmm. and I, I'll, I'll I'll be real brief on this. But um, I was jumped by seven full grown men at age sixteen. Me and my uh, my uh, girlfriend that was eighteen,
0: oh my and God. I was thoroughly
3: beaten, and uh, I was beaten so bad that uh, they had to put me in a coma, but they raped and and stabbed her. She survived, and all these guys ended up going to prison. It was a horrendous thing that happened to me, and uh, I decided uh, at that time that the taekwondo and, and stuff that I had done up to that point of age 16, I mean, you know, I was 16 years old. There's a factor, too, but it, my watch right. arts was very ineffective, And even if I would have been 35. The martial arts I had taught, been taught up to that point was not effective in, in protecting me or her. Um, once I learned Hapkido right. and, and I saw those applications, um, now I specialize in multiple attacker. Now I make my students fight five people, eight people. You know, we were. I heard Kathy and you talking about intent. You know, we call it violence of action. You know, and I, I train my students over and over so they memorize the word "machine" and "machine" is a Japanese word for move without thinking, like reflex. And that's that's what that's why it's so important to do your pumses, your jungs, your forms, and do them very, very, very slowly. And this will build your ability to go faster because so your balance, your muscle memory will be there. Everything that you need, the power, as you were talking about Newton's second law, mass times acceleration squared equals that's power. Right. I mean. You, you know, these things are all true, and we're all taught this, um, but if you don't have the right vehicle to move that stuff, I mean, I was taught kempo, I was taught Karate, I was taught Taekwondo, and I felt like they were just ineffective in the situation I was in. Now, you know, if even if I would have been, a, say, a black belt in hapkido at 16, they could have still picked me up over the head and threw me into the wall. Yeah, You know, there's a lot of factors that go into uh, self-defense, uh, as Kathy was saying. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on to it. But, you know, now with all the different ver- styles of Hapkido and Kuk Suwan and Mudoho, um, I'm teaching my students, even down, you know, to a small age, to poke those eyes. You know, to, that's, you know, very important to get in there and, 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 and have that reflex, where you're going to go straight for the eyes if you have to. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, I have, a, I have a quick question because, <laughs> because in my head, like, uh-oh, you know, all the temple people are going to have a fit. If you tell us why the karate and other arts that you had studied up until that point, can you, can you, do you have an idea as to why it didn't work for you at that time?
3: Okay, so let, let, me, let me explain, because I have a lot of uh, friends that are listening in, I'm sure, a lot of masters and grandmasters. I'm, I'm not going to ever say one style is better than the other or, or, you know, more effective than the other. I was looking for a system that was effective for everybody. So I'll give you an example. If I have a 100-pound 14-year-old girl and I teach her kenpo and teacher her kenpo strikes only, is she going to be able to muster enough velocity to be able to injure that person but now if I mix in the Hapkido joint lock with the pressure point and I'm not saying Ken Po don't teach that too um, you know, different ones do, but I felt like Hapkido had just the amount of right amount of joint lock leverage on their techniques that was like you said, very simple I mean, you got to make it Simplicity, simplicity is everything. If you ever watch the dance of death of Kenpo, you know you're jumping around and striking from different angles. I mean, I've spent in some Kenpo places where they, they, you know, they do somersaults back and forth over each other and stuff. And really, a 14 year old girl in a rape situation is not going to be able to do those kinds of things. I would highly recommend them not to do those kinds of things, you know. And uh, so some of the martial arts I felt out there were great, especially for a full-grown dude, uh, but they were not effective for just anybody. And, and if you can get, get on the, the, the element of surprise on somebody, you know, they're, they're, they're already trying to abduct you, rape you, enforce their control on you, and what you want is the attack to stop or just give it enough time to break away and get free. And I think just about every martial art that I've ever seen does teach a strike to the eye. You know, Wing Chun teaches a strike. You know, strike the eye. Hapkido, strike to the eye. You know, everything. Um, you know, and and I really believe that's you know one of the most effective for self defense um, because once you take a person's eyes, you're pretty much in control if they live or live or die.
2: Right. Um, now, Tony Collins is a Kempo guy, and he writes. Some aspects of tempo are ineffectual in for some people, depending what, on what lineage they are into. That, that is true. Yeah, that that's interesting that that lineages, um, you know, differ in in that way. So,
3: and you know, and, and yeah. not all hapkido is the same either. If you study under like Mu Haikido Association, there isn't no really high flying kicks. You know, they took those right. big dynamic kicks out and there's a lot of low kicks like in gojo Ryu. but really but if you rewind that tape you know uh 500 years ago you would see a lot more you know high-flying dynamic kicks um i feel like you know a lot of martial arts get watered down over the years um you know maybe yeah. the masters that came from korea were able to do these things kick a guy off a horse that was riding but you know your average joe on america that's sitting on the couch um, when he becomes the Dojang master all of a sudden, um, either out of laziness or simplicity or whatever or inability, uh, he doesn't teach it to his students, and therefore it gets lost. You know, uh, uh, with our students, you know, I like to go all the way back to, you know, we're, you know, I teach them how to throw a rock, you know, and uh, if we had horses, <laughs> we'd be doing, uh, you know, riding horses and shooting uh, uh, bows from there. And Grandmaster Jump and I have been talking about, doing just that, um, and opened a little ranch up in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, where we could take people and start teaching them, you know, um, how to ride horses and and do a a lot of martial arts from the back of a horse. Um, all this, you know, we're, we're, we're into the traditional old age martial arts all the way to the newest stuff. You know, I've been trained with all the latest handguns and and automatic, some automatic weapons as well, but you know, um, I'm more into the traditional martial arts where, you know, you you had to learn to pick up anything that was around, any farm instrument, you know, and, and, and that goes right into today's self-defense of picking up a ballpoint pen and sticking somebody in the throat with it.
2: John Lupo is on the ticker here, and he says, I've always wondered if some martial arts are simply victims of Hollywood. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I've always wondered if some martial arts are simply victims of Hollywood. And just people making up sensational stories after the fact about someone jumping ten feet in the air and kicking someone out of a
0: tree.
3: <laughs> now, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, there's, you know, Taekwondo's got a lot of dynamic kicks, but so does Hopido. You know, there's there's a lot of really dynamic people out there. I have some students that can, you know, do backflips, and some students that would break their neck if they even tried one. So it doesn't go down to which martial art, if, you know, the ability of the athletics, athleticism of the person, you know, how they, you know, how high can that person jump? Not. I mean, you know, obviously if I'm teaching a 300-pound person, they're not going to be kicking somebody out of a tree. But if they kick you in the shin, uh, they're going to do quite a bit of damage. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I teach my students, you know, they have to go, they're required to fulfill the curriculum but also I'm a reality-based instructor, you know, and and right. we're not going to be, you know. Um, yeah, I do teach self-defense where I do teach people to climb trees if necessary, you know, anything to get away from the perpetrator. You know, there's pedophiles out there and there's, you know, rapists and everything else in between. You know, I teach them how to break windows of cars, do stuff that's really out of yeah. the box, you know, break break the windows of a business, you know, bring that alarm, bring people to you. You know, get, get you know, just do whatever you have off to
2: car.
3: do. <laughs> yeah, nowadays we're not having to kick too many people out of trees. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. You know, one time, you know, one time my teacher said, yeah, you can rip the antenna off of a car. And just out of curiosity, you know, I, I was at the junkyard looking for a part for my
3: Techniques and locking and escort techniques, you know, you're able to put somebody um, in, in a hold uh, very quickly, you know, and be able to lock them very quickly. We teach, you know, ground fighting as well. It's called wagi, it's, uh, laying techniques. And so everything that you see in the uh, jujitsu uh, is we also teach uh, in the hop keto. Um, like I said, some of the hop that are out there don't teach the ground techniques anymore. It kind of got lost. Um, that's why I feel real blessed uh, because I'm getting it uh, uh, before it got watered down. In other words, through Grandmaster Jump through the Kee Association since he was the number one son there. Um, you know, he's teaching it to me, and I'm teaching it to my student um, right from Grandmaster Choi. And so I feel like you know we're 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 covering a lot more than what most places do. And we're adding a lot of the new modern techniques that have evolved and mutated, as as well because almost you know the average guy out on the street at least watching the USC if not participating in a Brazilian you know Jiu-Jitsu place, and you know that's another thing that you have to learn to be able to defend yourself against is the trained man as well as the untrained man. Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. On. Well, I want to remind our our viewers of our phone number three four seven
3: six seven seven zero six nine nine. I like what he said about the broom handle. You know, um, yeah. We teach in our Dojang. We, we're, you know, we we use weapons against each other. I make them all myself out of schedule sixty or schedule eighty, whatever I can find there. Wrapping, uh, you know, foam around it and then duct tape them, and we make a scrimmage sticks to John Bongs, you know, bo staff and and uh, nunchucks and tonfas, and I let my students go at it, you know, sometimes one on one, sometimes one on three, three on three, ten on ten, and it looks like a gang fight out there, you know, with the nunchucks and the bo staff flying. Right. But It really is important to learn to use that weapon, and don't be scared to not only use it but also not to be scared to get hit with it also. And, uh, you know, for sure, out of the, the city, I don't think anybody in my city is even coming close to that. You know, we put you in the iron circle where we call calling people's numbers out to attack you from different directions, and we go full contact all day long. Now, say if you come to our dojang and, and um, you want to just learn self-defense, well, I heard you about the red man food and, and things like this. Um, I, I put my students or my clients at that point, if they're just doing self-defense, I call them clients, uh, through a 12-week course, and they learn a lot to use with the coupon and key chain and different things that you know that they could use. And at the end, I do attack them in kind of a red man suit type of situation. But the, the graduation is they have to be able to fend me off for 15 minutes, and I'm coming at them like a rapist. Would And uh, we teach at the Better Women's Shelter We teach at the Crisis Center The the Center Against Family Violence You know, so we get to see the girls With the real black eyes And their hair pulled You know, of course I tell them the story About how one of my friends was raped In front of me and stabbed You know, I know what kind of a vicious world It is out there And that's why, you know I really believe that, you know I needed to teach a martial art That was a no bullshit type of martial art you know, right. uh, we we see these videos over and over, where you know bullshit. Uh, there's even a whole groups yeah. dedicated yeah. to it. <laughs> you know, and 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 uh, you know, there's few and far between out there that you see it. In in my circle, you know, my circles, you know, I see real martial artists. We go to a tournament. We see the Dojang owners. Every all the masters know each other. All the grandmasters know each other. But uh, every now and then, I'll see one of these places that. You know, I don't know where they come up with, but they got some stuff that really looks like it could get somebody killed. You know. Right. Right. But,
2: well, you know, we got some uh, people on um, on our ticker here. So, uh, Jamie wants to know which Grandmaster Cho you're referring to.
3: I know, because Cho kind of like Smith. My name's Smith, and <laughs> Get me in the who's who's book. I'm probably on, you know, page seventy two with five hundred other choice. Um, right,
0: right.
3: If if they look up the Chung Ki C H U N G Chung Ki K I D O <laughs> Chung Ki Doe Association. This I believe means uh, hand quick as lightning or hand that grasps lightning. I believe. I'm not sure if that's exactly true or not. But if you look up the Tung Kido Association, um, and they have their own Facebook and their own web page there, I'm sure if you Google it, you'll see which Grand Master Choi that is. And like I said, you know, my, the story I was told is that he was the, uh, one of the founders, of, original founders of Kuk Suwan, And uh And so it has a lot of similarities to it. Um, I had a guy tell me the other day, uh, how could you be telling people you're teaching forms in Hapkido? There is no forms in Hapkido. Well, yeah, when I was with the Korean Hapkido Association, we didn't really have forms. Um, there was people teaching weapons, but I noticed they were Okinawan-style weapon forms. Like I teach, uh, out of my dojo rule experience, I teach Okinawan bow staff, I teach Okinawan nunchucks, but it looks totally different to our Hapkido, our yu want. Um, sword or why you want Hapkido because it's korean for one thing it's not japanese
1: <laughs> and yeah. one's
3: a young and one's a, ta- a kata and then uh you know but the forms we're teaching came straight from grandmaster Choi which is uh out of um like i said the Chunkido association i never trained with that grandmaster Choi he passed away before i moved back here to el paso But uh, the first time I was stationed here, he was here, but he was across town from where I was living, so I picked Master Lee (laughs) just because he was closer. (laughs) Yeah, and so, you know, 30 years later, here I'm training with his number one student, who is uh, Grandmaster Gregory Jump, and he's also on Facebook under Gregory Jump, and he's in Truth and Consequences New Mexico. And again, you know, he... uh, He could have been the Grandmaster in line to take over the Chunky Association when uh, Grandmaster Choi left, but um,
0: Uh
3: he had already left on his own to open his own school and do his own thing, and Daniel Walker, oh, I'm sorry, Grandmaster Daniel Walker was appointed, and he didn't feel like he needed to come back and bump that guy off just because, you know what I mean? So oh, it's right. So yeah, yeah, that's not the right thing to do So hey, Eric I'm the number one son, you don't mind step my aside. Yeah.
1: No, if you don't mind my interrupting. did you say you oh. first started tra- started training with your mother or your
3: father? I'm sorry, what was that? What was the question?
1: Did you say you first started training with your mother or your father? Oh, I started training with my dad. What was my, that like? My was it uh was it a lot harder training with him, under him?
3: Well, let me, let me You know, I don't know if you know too many military guys, but my dad was. Uh, uh, they didn't even call. Yes, my dad was in info. the navy. There you go. So you you know he didn't really have a conscience and no empathy. No, <laughs> uh, you know, he was very sincere and kicking our butt. You know, I swear I got a story for you. That he would wrap okay. rope around our hand, and we'd be out in the barn or one of the outbuildings that he had put together, it was like a little barn, and, and that was our fighting ring, and we would wrap rope around our hands, and we fought that way for years, and when we wow. went to our first tournament, I was age eight, or age eight or nine when I went to my first tournament, and they said, oh, he's going to need gear, so we went to this little table where they were selling gear, and I was just like, what is this, you know, like, they got, <laughs> they got stuff like cushioned on your hands, I was like, what, I was, you know, I was, I couldn't even believe it. You know, I was like, oh, my God. And my dad was like, see, you're going to be tougher. They're going to be hitting you with pillows in the face. And, and really, it was like that. I felt like I was in a pillow fight. Of course. You know, after all those,
0: that's awesome.
3: Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, he had us out there fighting like pit fighting, and we had no clue. We thought that's the way to do it. And, uh, of course, when we went around to different places, um, we were a lot more aggressive than the other students. Um, that's for sure.
2: Tony Collins says, oh, I know that all too well. My first master was my stepdad, and he kicked the crap out
3: of me. <laughs> yes, yes. So there was, if there was any, uh, we were a fighting family, and if there was any other problem between us brothers, we had to box it out.
2: <laughs> nice, nice. Now here's another question coming on our comments. Um, Do you think that self-defense schools are seeing more students now than in the past?
3: I I used to get more self-defense students in the past. Um, Now I'm getting more parents signing up their college kids, kids going away to college. Um, Every now and then I'll have a single bomb, but most people can't afford it. I think right now our economy is the number one factor to have people toys choosing if they're going to take a class or not. You know, it always comes down to right. economics. That's why I do a lot of volunteer work, you know, at these shelters in different places. We also um, open our school to the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program in the city where we allow mm-hmm. all the students to come uh, free of charge on Wednesdays and Fridays. Mm-hmm.
2: Right on. That's pretty cool. Um, now, speaking of like self uh, self defense, you know there's there's a stereotype that some people have about Taekwondo and, and that that they're all kicks and no hands. What would you say to the people if it's still that myth?
3: Well, it depends on again, um where you took your martial arts because there's good martial arts and then there's good instructors. And there's still good martial arts, but bad instructors, and so some people don't get trained adequately. So you really can't blame Taekwondo. Um, like I have some um, Taekwondo Korean instructors that you know came, you know, first generation, uh, and they teach the full gambit. You know, all the they don't call it hapkido. They they show you the kicks, the punches, the strikes. They also show you all the wrist locks, takedowns, and everything. Then you go to another taekwondo place, and it's strictly uh, Olympic sparring. Mm-hmm.
0: So some yeah. places
3: leave everything out. You know, they don't do board breaking. They don't do poomsae. They don't do weapons.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, really? Now, what, what weapons are present in, in taekwondo nowadays?
3: I'm sorry, you broke, you're breaking up. I, could, I couldn't make that out.
2: Oh, sorry. I said, what weapons are present in Taekwondo nowadays?
3: Well, you know, when we go to different tournaments, almost all the tournaments we go to around this region, Colorado, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, and uh, Arizona, um, are, are Taekwondo tournaments. Um, this is why I teach Taekwondo along with the Hapkido so my students will get the experience. And what I see a lot is the staff. You'll see, uh, you know, the John Bong. You'll see uh, uh, nunchucks. You'll see the size. Some not Sometimes you'll see a, a student with a sword or two. Um, but these are not really taught Taekwondo. That's, you know, a misconception that, uh, you know, most Taekwondo is, is, is not in, no weapons, you know. Uh, but okay. um, there's always been that aspect of, of people wanting to learn weapons and then you go to tournaments, so they start throwing in some stuff. Sometimes some of those forms are not traditional. Uh, they're they're more custom-made uh, on the fly um, because, you know, the, the traditional forms aren't flashy enough nowadays. You know, 20, 30 right. years ago, I'd go out and wow the crowd with, you know, my hop keto form or my Taekwondo form. Now it's yawns and boring if I go out and do the same thing because just right. like the kids with the BMX bikes, you know, I used in my day doing a wheelie down the street or having somebody ride on your, uh, on the, on the, on the, on the <laughs> handlebars. That was something else. Now kids are <laughs> changing bikes in the air, 50 feet up and, you know, doing Superman's and all this craziness that, you know, too dangerous back in the day. We weren't allowed to even try that. And the same thing goes You with know, the Eric, arts, I remember. So.
1: I remember that too. When we were kids on skateboards, we yeah. entered a, a. My sister and I were in junior high, twelve years old, and we entered a skateboarding contest where you did tricks on this on the board, not flying off of ramps and and doing flips or anything like that. Um, it's definitely changed.
3: Yes, Great. and the martial arts has changed. You know, the kids nowadays are taking things to extreme. We have an art of movement team where we have a parkour instructor. You know, he's one of my students. You know, and these kids are running wow. real, literally up the wall like ninjas. You know, and I'm just <laughs> like, wow. And I'm 52, and I'm wishing I could do that. I'm like, wow. Of course I try, <laughs> but you know, then I'm hurt for a week. You know, I don't feel as quick as I used to. But you know, I give it to old college. The kids are just phenomenal nowadays. You know, so we we go with the Okinawan-style weaponry. We also, in our school, um, we're very lucky and blessed to have Grandmaster Jump, who is, uh, you know, very, very efficient in every weapon that you can name, including pitchforks, the Waldo Tang, You know, you're talking, you know, the glorious, you know, Moon Knife. Everything that, you know, the old-style weaponry, you go to Grandmaster Jumps, and you're going to get it, and 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 a, a good dosage of how it works and why it works and and why you turn this way, or why you turn your weapon that way? You know, he breaks it down in detail, and I, and and of course, you know, I I, I simulate that to my students right from him. And so I'm I'm really blessed learning a new whole vein of weaponry. I mean, who teaches pitch force nowadays? Come on, <laughs>
0: you know, well, you know, well,
3: kung fu. <laughs> well, you're right. well, except for you with down. your bullets and stuff. <laughs>
2: You know the last, the last. Yeah, the last time uh, I told someone that uh, the bullet the bullet can be used as a weapon, they looked at me like I was on a crack, and I'm like, Whoosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, holy crap, that hurt. And I'm like, well,
3: there you go. <laughs> yeah, All right. You know, I think I think weapon training is super important. You know, I you know I think it's very important for the martial arts aspect. You know, these schools that don't teach weapons, the kids are missing out, I think, on half of it, what martial arts is about. Because you really learn a lot about responsibility, and you learn a lot about yourself, and it challenges you to new whole levels. you know.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's go ahead and take a call. It looks like we have a caller. Area code 270, 270. You're on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Who's this? It's Jane. It's Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for the hey. posters, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Oh, those posters are so badass.
4: You're very welcome. It's my pleasure to do it for you.
2: Okay. Hey, thank you. Thank wow. you. Yeah. a question for Master Jump, or for Master Jump, Master Eric. I was thinking about Grandmaster Jump. Grandmaster Eric. <laughs> What? So I just promoted him now too. All <laughs> Thank right. you, I I'm all honored.
3: Well, there you go, I promoted getting a grandmaster. I don't know what
2: was going on there. Hey, hey when, when I got, got my
3: certificate blank... printed tomorrow,
4: what? when I got my first degree, uh, when I got my first degree uh, certificate, it came back as a seventh dan. So I was like, whoa, all right, <laughs> so that's how it works, right? <laughs> that's
3: nice Just promote right up.
4: That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so you went from Taekwondo to Hapkido, right?
3: Um, you know, I I I was lucky enough to, uh, like I said, train under Master Lee, uh, Grandmaster mm-hmm. Young Lee here in El Paso, and he taught Taekwondo. It was Taekuk Taekwondo, but he also taekwondo. taught okay. Mudo Ho or what some people call Mudo Hey, and it is very similar to Hapkido, which advanced me when I went to. Um, Grandmaster Lipinski's Alice Lipinski and David Lipinski's place up there in Alexandria, Virginia, um, they allowed uh us to, to learn both uh at different prices. I train right. uh now under Grand. you know, it's like a program. You join Taekwondo, but if you want half keto, you had to pay a little extra. So uh, right. I loved it. I I went ahead and paid that little extra to learn the hop keto and, and get rank in hop keto and move up. And that allowed me to be able to join and stay with the association, which was the Korean hop keto association. And, uh, you know, their techniques and, and their sets are, are pretty awesome in their self. Uh, but like I said, when I got out here back to El Paso, I was really blessed to be asked uh, not just by Grandmaster Jump, but about six or seven oh. other masters, they, had all called me and asked me to uh, go to dinner uh, with them. And, and over dinner, they said, uh, We want you to join the Why You Want Hop Keto Association. So, uh, right. you know, I get to train underneath this new whole style of Hop Keto as well. So, yeah, I've studied Hapkido Keto off and on throughout the years under various grandmasters, and all of them are a little bit different than the other.
4: Right. Well, that's kind of important because uh, Taekwondo. There is no misconception about um, Taekwondo being more kicks than hands. It's seventy percent kicks, thirty percent hands, and that's great if you have the flexibility and the range and and the and you're fast enough to do it. However, I'm not that person. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah,
4: my hands are faster than my my feet, and so uh, I'll do I'll do what uh, whatever my my masters ask me to do. And I do it to the best of my ability, but um I think it's important to you know, okay, I, I agree completely your your uh, legs are, are just an extension of your hands, you know, you go further in, but that's great if you have the footwork to go with it, but um you're not always gonna have your feet available to you, especially in the self defense situation. You know, usually if foot comes in uh you know, if you're doing a quick getaway or, you know, more Janie. of a surprise. You I know, think. Also,
3: um, you know, uh, you're exactly right, Jamie. And also, uh, you know, I train a lot of people that are handicapped, uh, the elderly. Uh, I hate to say it, mm-hmm. I'm 52. I'm not kicking like I used to. And, you know, <laughs> hot <you know, laughs> it, keto, it, it really allows you to get real, you know, that person has to get close to you 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 guys probably all know Mark Shuey, you know, the cane master, right,
0: right. you know, and, mm-hmm.
3: and there's a reason we all train with a cane later in life because by the time <laughs> we, at the end of our <laughs> careers, we got bad hips and bad knees and bad backs. And so we need to learn how to use that damn cane. I'm telling uh, you. Yeah. There's, there's, I'm, <laughs> like I'm 85
4: years
3: old. So I, I don't need to kick no
2: more. doesn't need a cane until I'm like 80 something years old. <laughs>
3: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly That's why uh, I think Mark Shuey's the Greatest guy in the world Because I get a hold of that cane and it's like Okay now I don't have to kick ya. you Jesus got to come in, 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 in Cane range, in and cane, range.
1: I know, yeah, yeah, right? cane range Let's all decide that we don't have to Use a cane ever Well exactly yeah, yeah. you
2: know I was Talking to this is kind of Off the subject but still on the subject I wasn't talking but I was listening to um the show that I used to co host, Modern Combat Masters, and they had um they had uh she, she, Ron Van Cleef
3: on, oh,
2: on yeah. the show. The Dragon. Now for those the, the, dragon, dragon. the dragon, the Black Dragon. The Black Dragon, that's right. For those of you that aren't familiar with who um Master Ron Van Cleef because he was really famous in the in the sixties and seventies, especially in a lot of the um, seventies. <laughs> Like martial arts it. films and stuff like that. Um, it's he's 74. 74, yeah. and he is still competing wow. in Brazilian jiu nice. he, He's been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about seven years, and he's still competing. He still wakes up at the crack of dawn and, and works out. Uh, he says, though, that although recovering between Jiu-Jitsu classes and his um, his own method of martial arts classes. It takes him a little bit longer to recover, but yeah. he's still doing it. No cane, he still walks up and down the stairs, you know, like normal and stuff like that. And I wrote in on the chat thread, when I'm 74, I'm going to be like that. <laughs>
3: so Have yeah, well, you ever seen him? He's put together like a like a gotta I mean, the guy's cut like, from one end yeah. to the other.
2: Yeah, he's like a donut. He's cut all the way around. 74 yeah. years old, folks. 74 years old, and uh, wow. he did. He he didn't talk. Well, he and the host, Grandmaster that Russell, the host, and he and him, and we're talking a lot about you know how the food that we eat now is not like it was when when we were children or when our parents were growing up or when our grandparents were growing up, a lot of the foods these days, uh, we know this, you know, doesn't have the same amount of vitamins and minerals in, other oh, yeah, but in I them. Think it's I think it's the but, right. And, uh, you know, and that, and that changes things and, you know, and, but, you know, he, he eats healthy and keeps working out and, Built like a rich dude house, yeah. you know, an Right. <laughs> awesome. And I thought, Bro, you know, you I, 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 like I want to be like that. I want to be like that when I'm 74 or 80 or or whatever. And yeah. you know what? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Guru Guru Dan Anasanto is 80 years old, and yeah. he still he still trains all day. All day mm-hmm. he trains. He has people come and teach him. Continue to teach him new things and different things, and what? you, know, you I, I couldn't have, I, I, give him, I give him a massage every Wednesday, I work on him, and he's got the body of a 40-year-old.
4: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: yeah. It's, it's pretty remarkable. It's,
4: that, that's pretty it's sad, amazing, because I'm 45, and I'm like, I feel like I'm like 85 years old, I gimp around a lot, you know, KT tape <laughs> and, uh, and BioFreeze. Yes, Dang, girl, that's not that good. Stuff. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm just be wrong, I love Biofreeze. I love Biofreeze. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff right there. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: it
2: smells better than Tiger Balm. You know? When when <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I used to I used to joke about how old people smell like Gay and then I realized, <laughs> wait a minute. Tiger bomb smells like Ben Gay <laughs> <laughs> yeah but with a cinnamon twist to it <laughs> with a cinnamon yeah, twist yeah it's got a yeah. cinnamon
1: twist for sure it does,
2: yeah. it does. And, you know, but, but it depends you know if the red one smells a little bit more cinnamon-y mm. than the white right that's the white bomb. So, and I that one be my
4: top favorite top. stuff but you can't find it here what
2: yeah There's I can't that, find what? it here
4: in Kentucky are You serious? Sure.
2: "Girl, I'll send you some."
4: Okay, cuz I love Tiger Bomb. That's good stuff.
2: I will I will find Yeah, some Tiger Bomb's and amazing. I will send you some. I yeah. right. the, There's also, also the stuff that my mom used to get out of the Philippines. Like I forgot what the brand name was, but my god, it was hot. It it put you know, and I'm not dissing on Tiger Bomb, but it put Tiger Bomb to shame. It made <laughs> Tiger Bomb look like shit. Rub. Wow! This stuff was awesome, but it like it stayed in your pores forever. You would take a shower, and the whole shower would smell like it, and then you would still smell like it. <laughs> For oh <days>. wow! <laughs> hey,
4: was, hey, what's this saying about our age, guys? We're sitting here talking about martial arts and being gay and bio <laughs> 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 Such a broke ass martial artist going
3: on. <laughs> well, that's a testimony it of It a does happen from time to time. It does, it does
2: happen. Yeah, it does. I remember you know you guys remember, you know, you're twenty years old, yeah you, yeah, like but Tony well, yeah. Collins says Tony Collins says Tiger Bachman did Dave Joe, are my oldest friends. And Amanda goes, capsaicin does that. Well, that means the Filipino stuff was probably, probably just put a whole freaking bunch of peppers
0: <laughs> in
2: that bottle. But boy, I tell you, it was good. And uh, John goes, actually, you can use va- vapor um, for um, uh, arm muscles and stuff like that for Susan Yeah, I I could do that too, John. Like if I have a cold and uh, I'm achy, I actually put it. remember that yeah hey now. Uh, <laughs>
4: hey now hey now hey this is good stuff i use it to go to bed just so
1: i can breathe yeah
4: <laughs> right. too late
1: now yeah. the information's out on in the internet now everybody yeah, knows no. now i got you <laughs> That's gonna know.
2: people are gonna know know our achilles our achilles spot there it's like oh well yep. i can't
4: PSA your Vic PSA for today.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody goes none of that for you and
3: And area and everything And When you come in uh, You're going to line up um, In very traditional form And uh, we're going to start off with our oath So we start a class off I don't do the Pledge of Allegiance Because of the diversity I have here With Fort Bliss And uh, I can actually throw a rock into Mexico <laughs> So oh,
0: wow. My students
3: speak Spanish um, So I'm not going to have them do the Pledge of Allegiance uh, To our flag so we do those uh, uh, taekwondo. Uh, we cover the tenets of taekwondo. Uh, then we start into our calisthenics. Um, after that, we you know we do stretching, calisthenics, and then back into stretching. And then we um, that's typical for the taekwondo side. And then we go into our blocks, punches, kicks, all the basics. And then we move to our pumsay. Um If we're doing that for that day, we do you know all the Taekwondo plumes. Um, I teach the three keto forms, um, the, the fundamental forms, all the way up to whatever rank you are.
0: And then um, on the
3: Hapkido side, we go through different uh, various uh, joint locks, whatever stud you are at that belt level. Uh, we go through the different weaponry. And so every other day is one day i will be Taekwondo, the next day's is Hapkido. Then the next day is Taekwondo, the next day is Hapkido. In this way, you're always getting covered with both training. I make it mandatory for all my students to learn both, and it's one fight. So nice. I think it makes a well rounded fighter to get in with your kicks and punches and strikes, or that person gets in there on you. Now you're going to have to use your, uh, your joint locks and your, um, your small joint manipulation and pressure points.
2: Nice. Nice. That's very cool. That's, that's kind of what we do at yeah. my school too. It's like a, you know, one day is usually the kaju, and then the other the other day is usually along the lines of the split. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like you too. Like you too. I, I want my guys and girls to be pretty well-rounded um, and not be you know just stuck. You know, stuck in a yeah. one particular way of movement. So what about you, you, you Katie?
4: Know, <laughs> uh um, well, we uh we start with calisthenics first. We get their heart rate going up and uh get it uh burnt out, get stretches in really quick. Uh, we spend more time not so much on cardio but a lot of stretching because we do more kicks. Um if I'm running class, uh uh we do a lot of the fundamental stuff. Uh we'll we'll run into um are opening up with the traditional uh, of course we do do the pledge of allegiance first, the, then the we'll run into flag. our oath. right we'll run into our oath and our tenants uh and then we'll do our drills uh and then uh i I do a lot of the self defense stuff uh that's my that's my niche there uh, uh-huh. so if i can keep if I can keep my master from doing his sport karate stuff, then we'll run into uh, uh, we'll do, yeah, we'll do traditional kicks and punches and stuff like that.
2: Wait, 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 wait. Am I hear you right? If I can keep my grandmaster from doing yep, it, it's
4: important. Yep, If I can cut that off real quick.
2: Nip that right in the bud. Right, because, uh, you
4: know, kubate cool and all, but just a little pop and not follow through with it, that's not teaching my kids anything, because a right, lot of them don't right. do tournaments, you know, yep. I've, I've already had them, I've already had them tell me one time sparring that I wasn't allowed to trap their leg, and I said, well, wait a minute, uh, What? I can't trap your leg, why not, and they said, well, because you're not allowed to in tournaments, I said, okay, I'm not in a tournament right now. I'm teaching you uh, taekwondo. Amen. Uh, so uh, leave that stuff in the tournament ring. And here in this dojang, I'm going to take you to the ground. It's just go two ways about it. Uh, Amen. But I, we'll, we'll do our self-defense. They're called one steps. So you'll have somebody down blocking and throw a punch after a key op, and then you have to do a defense against that. But I like to do it both sides. Sometimes they kind of weigh over to the right side and not the left, and that doesn't make sense to me because, you know, not everybody's going to throw a hook punch right-handed, you know. Right. So you got to train both sides. Uh, so we train both sides, and I'll do more than one punch because I've got the jiu side of me going on. So you've always got to be prepared for that. So I kind of teach them a little jujitsu jitsu also. Uh, you know, just. I try to keep it as traditional as I can. And then maybe at the end, if everybody trained well, then we'll play a game. Right. Nice. You know, like hide steal the bacon or something like that.
2: <laughs> no, Okay, what's steal the bacon? Like, like um, capture the flag? What is that?
4: Kind of, kind of. But instead, I, I take one of my target pads, and I'll put it in the middle, and we have two teams, and they call a number. Each Each person gets a number. Um so I'll call a number and one person on either side with that same number have to get to the middle. Well, you have to try and take the bacon without being tagged out and get oh, to your side. Oh,
0: oh, oh. <laughs> That's a
3: good one?
2: Oh, oh, oh. I'm trying to figure out how that works cuz like if both people come to the middle, like, are you allowed to cross to the other side? Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's kind of oh, okay. like you have to jo- you have to jockey it around somebody has to steal it and it's about speed and timing. Um so it kind of works on their on their speed drills.
2: Oh. Uh, I would so kick that across the floor. <laughs> I got right. The, you know? hey, who's right. A lot of kids <laughs> A lot of
4: kids do that, but unfortunately some kids are faster at kicking than others. So <laughs> I have to make it more difficult.
2: Oh Oh, that's, that's funny. Uh, oh, wow. We, we're almost out of time. So, um, Master Smith, um, in, uh, we normally like to end our shows with our guests giving a little bit of advice for uh, martial arts students coming up in the martial arts, whether they be kids or whether they be adults. Um, as students, is there anything any nice advice that you'd like to give to martial arts students out there? I think I have, I think I have yeah, my you know,
3: um, I, I always tell my new students, uh, you know, that you gotta you gotta work on your physical, but you also your mind and spirit. You know, it's body, right. mind, and spirit. You gotta keep a, a positive mind. You gotta stay away from alcohol and drugs. Stay focused. You know, and and. Uh, uh, apply yourself, commit yourself to, to, your, to your goal. Um, and listen. You know, the, one of the biggest attributes of any leader is, is listening. And, uh, right. and, you know, I'm here to build leaders. I'm here to replicate myself. You know, I feel like some masters got so good, but they never could make – they got so good, but they couldn't replicate themselves. I like to be able to replicate myself into my students because somebody twenty years from now has to be teaching this or else it's gonna right. get lost. And so, you know, I try to build that leader that takes the initiative, somebody that wants to do this and and uh, you know, in each and every student I instill this in because I didn't plan, you know, <laughs> when I was five years old or eight years old, that here I was gonna be fifty two and own my own dojang. gang. I'm sure my some of my instructors probably thought I might be that guy to go on, or I might not be. Cause I was also an engineer, so you never know who's going to be that one to carry that torch forward. So I want to make sure that each and every student understands the responsibility of learning traditional. i listening to the instructor and uh, and don't skip. You know, it's okay to modify and add, but I don't like to take away. You know, I'm I'm, I'm more on the on the opposite side of. Bruce Lee's philosophy of, of taking away what doesn't work because I really believe that's how he did his self injustice by he was taught all the basics. How did he know that wasn't what made him super fast? And then by him taking that away, the boom stage and stuff, uh, he can never replicate himself. Nobody was yep. ever faster fast as Bruce Lee. And so with me, I make sure that everybody's learning everything that I've had to go through they're going to go through. Uh, and they're going to go through
2: hell. <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <Eight minutes. laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, I always tell a- a- my students I know it's hard, but I wouldn't do anything to you that if I didn't go through myself. They look at me like I'm on crack.
3: Exactly.
2: Like, no, really. <laughs> no, Really, I'm serious, yeah. you guys. Oh my God. Yeah, we all know. have
3: those stories of, well, back when I was your age, we learned on <laughs> concrete floor with no air conditioning. You know, exactly. and the kids look at you like, yeah, whatever. Right, so exactly. whatever.
4: I do this because I care.
2: Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> I do this because I want you to do well and progress in this art. Then they yes, look at yes, me like I'm on crack. Oh,
3: they're crying <laughs> through, the tears, through the tears I tell them, you know I love you Keep going You know I love you
0: Keep <laughs> going. I, know. I love Keep you They're
2: really. cursing me You're cursing me under their breath you know? I had to nickname Attila for a while I was like, and I could not find out about this Until years later I'm like, really? they called me a hun Attila's a hun I was like, Oh my gosh Wow Okay. He wasn't <laughs> Filipino. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I just look at them and go, listen, you pay me to beat you up. And that's what uh, I'm uh, to uh, Right? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's so right. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Master Eric. So, Kat, do you have any thank other you. Posting questions or comments? Or well, I just want to let everybody
3: know that we'll be out there with uh, Jim Thomas uh, in October 7th in New Mexico at his nice. tournament. And uh, if anybody's listening, you know, uh, participate, you know, show your support for Jim Thomas, Grandmaster Thomas, and his uh, Hall of Fame Museum. And, and uh, you know, we all need to uh, support each other out there. And I really appreciate my time in the limelight with you. Uh, Master Jay Hastings It was a real pleasure uh, uh, To be able to talk to all you guys Thank you very much
2: You're very welcome So Kat, do you have any other questions Or comments for Master Eric?
1: You know It's it's not very often that you run across A uh, highly accomplished Martial artist like, like Master Eric And who's also humble And, and Who sees and cares um, So thank you very much it, it was a pleasure to, to get to know you for a few minutes at least.
3: Wow, your words honor me. I'm sitting here with basically tears in my eyes. Thank you very much.
1: You're very welcome. You deserve it. Yeah, I, I agree. Very
4: nice
2: talking to you, sir. Right on. So do I see, like, some friend requests going on here? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, our, our other esteemed uh, co-host was watching a little bit earlier, but uh, he's busy. Um, he's busy doing the college thing uh, with uh, his daughter. So we missed you, Bob, if you're still watching. We missed you, and we hope to see you next week. So thank you so much, Master Eric. And uh, just so you know, this this episode, um, unfortunately, has, like, all the technical difficulties on it. This episode can be, uh, will be on Facebook like forever. <laughs> so it can watch it. <laughs> he can hey, Master Eric, we're
4: already friends. Oh, <laughs>
0: well, look at
4: awesome.
0: that.
2: I saw that. <laughs> well, look at that. And uh, Toby Collins, our Temple Master, says, thank you, Master Smith.
3: Well, anytime and you guys any- are in El Paso, Texas, please, please drop by we will definitely
2: do that. You bet.
1: You, you bet. think, Collins says, we
2: missed you, Bob. We didn't even pick on you.
4: <laughs> on it. Didn't get the chance.
2: I know, right? So, yeah, you bet. Okay. We will definitely come and visit it forever in El Paso, Texas. Uh, one of these days, I actually, um, I know that Bob and I had talked about um, coverings more of the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame type of events through the radio show. Um, So maybe, just maybe, you know, we will be in your neck of the Uh, woods. Yeah, well definitely, we wanted to do, um, Bob and I wanted to do, wanted to cover the official grand opening of the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame Museum. Uh, and we wanted to be there for, for the official shebang and stuff like that. So that's something that we're still gonna, gonna plan on when the museum is ready to go. So well, anyway, you guys thank you so I'll much. I'll be there too. Awesome. So thank you so much everybody. And thank you, Kat, for joining me. I'm really sorry that you couldn't hear me for a long time. Yeah, hey, I'm K, okay.
1: don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'm audio. Well
2: anyway. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week right here on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio and Talk TV. Bye, everybody.
4: Good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night, Kat.